The parable of the rich man and Lazarus, the haves and have-nots. And the scripture reading is the Gospel of Luke, chapter 16, verses 19 to 31. One of the fascinations of close study of the Bible is the somewhat depressing realization of how little the fundamental issues surrounding human nature has changed in 2,000 years and longer in the case of the Old Testament. Indeed, both the Old and New Testaments regularly refer to our treatment of the poor. Jesus says in Matthew 26, the poor you will always have with you. The reading from Luke should properly be considered as a parable. Indeed, it is the third delivered by Jesus to an audience of rich Pharisees, three parables delivering hard and unpalatable truths. Parables that serve to deepen the disquiet felt by this privileged part of society towards the teaching of Jesus. The story of the rich man, likely to be viewed as a Pharisee and Lazarus, is clearly designed to be provocative. And the story is as disturbing and unsettling for us modern Western Christians as it would have been for the first century Jew. As the story is related, our natural sympathies are with Lazarus from the start. This man is in a bad way. Even the name Lazarus given to this man in Aramaic was carefully chosen to indicate that he was the one who God was with, the one who God would help. In contrast, the rich man has no name, but he is sufficiently described as to indicate who he represented. Lazarus, with all his clearly apparent needs, lay immediately outside the rich man's gate. There could therefore be no excuse for the rich man not knowing the predicament Lazarus was in, as he daily had to literally step over his body. How many of us have been irritated by the presence of beggars and rough sleepers immediately outside cathedrals and churches, and sometimes within? Yes, we too have been in the situation of that rich man in the parable, Aware of need, but perhaps choosing to ignore it. Not our problem. Lazarus lay immediately outside a house where he knew there was plenty. He hoped for a few crumbs, perhaps in competition with the dogs for scraps thrown out. But it appears the dogs may have had rather more sympathy for his condition than the people of the house, licking his wounds clean as they would their own wounds. There will always be the haves and the have-nots. The problem with wealth then and now lies in how it is used. Wealth in Jesus' time was typically spent on fine clothing, most expensively sourced and produced. Dark colors like blue and purple were prized as the dye was expensive to produce. The Pharisees in their day did everything to provide evidence to others of their holiness, that God's favor was on them, engaging in long prayers and the manner they dressed in the way they depended on knowledge of the law. They failed to realize that they would ultimately be judged by totally different standards. Wealth was not a sign of God's favor, just as disease and poverty was not a sign of God's disfavor. They would be judged by the way that wealth was used. Here at St. Stephen's, we can readily recognize that many people in our own society are poor or find themselves homeless or jobless despite their best intentions and hard work ethic. 
We are fortunate living here in a relatively stable political environment with a climate that is generally placid and predictable. We do not face the threat of volcanic action, earthquakes, tsunamis, tornadoes, floods, etc., that at a stroke could send us into poverty or even death. And even if disaster does hit our families, in this country at least, we have the protection of insurance and the NHS. Others are less fortunate. We all have good intentions for the most part. Many of us engage in some charitable action and giving to help mitigate the conditions of the poor elsewhere and perhaps salve our consciences. But our attitude towards migration, desperation and need is maybe not so much unlike the rich man. We know what need is there, but as relatively comfortable and fortunate, may prefer to perhaps do little or nothing to help. And that very human and real situation makes the rich man and Lazarus uncomfortable reading for us all. We know through the news that there are political and social systems, changes in climate and natural disasters that lead to population upheaval and the widespread misery of peoples. We rightfully have compassion for the victims and the poverty and bleakness of life they bring. Today we can empathize. Indeed, we might have considerable empathy for Lazarus, but the first century Pharisee or Sadducee or Roman probably would not have had the same empathy or sympathy. There was at that time a strong theological tradition in Judaism that you reap what you sow and get what you deserve. And if you are poor, handicapped or diseased, then some known or unknown sin must have been the cause. Similarly, wasteful and elaborate adornment of clothes, of jewelry, of houses and even of gardens indicated wealth which then as now needed to be conspicuous to indicate status and success. And in the eyes of that Jewish society, the converse therefore applied. If you had wealth, you were good. You were God's chosen. If you had disease or disablement, you were by definition sinful. Jesus was therefore confronting powerful social and theological forces with a parable that undermined the easy platitudes and attitudes of outwardly pious people. As in a modern pantomime, Lazarus, the poor man, becomes the hero of the story, and the rich man is the villain rightfully judged at the end by an omniscient God. When Lazarus dies, God's angels carry him to a place where the righteous will abide. The rich man dies, and the next thing we know, he is in hell where he is in torment. And the most tormenting factor of his existence in hell is that he could see in some way that he is not as expected with Abraham. Instead, he sees Lazarus at Abraham's bosom. The rich man found himself in hell, not because he was rich, but because he had ignored the teaching of Moses and the prophets. The law and the prophets had commanded the Jews to care for the poor and to take care of the weak. Jewishness could not save him. He had walked by the pitiful Lazarus every day. He was condemned by a life that ignored the commands of the God he claimed to believe in. So how does this parable translate into our modern Christian faith? The New Testament teaches us that faith and works are part of the same fabric. Jesus is teaching a powerful truth in this parable that every age knews to hear. We can't separate our eternal destiny from our earthly activity. As Christians, we cannot ignore the poor, step carefully over their bodies, dismiss their pleas, remain absorbed in our own materialistic pursuits, 
and expect to end up anywhere but alongside this tormented rich man. We may think the Lazarus challenge is overwhelming and there's nothing we can do in the face of so much need. Mother Teresa of Calcutta could have adopted such a view and Albert Schweitzer could have adopted such a view. Both, however, dedicated their lives to relieving the suffering of those in need in India and Africa. God is in the business of doing the impossible and he has a strong history of using people to accomplish his mission. Can we follow the simple yet provocative call of Jesus in this parable to pay attention to those who are at our doorstep and in need? Is there a Lazarus in our community? Is there some way for us to take seriously the call of Jesus to demonstrate our faith through deeds of compassion? We will find those in need anywhere we go. There was no excuse for the rich man in this parable to pass by Lazarus every day. There is no excuse for you or for me. And if you need someone to come back from the dead to shake you up, consider yourself shaken. Jesus died and came back from the dead and he's here today telling us not to have sympathy, but to show compassion through the views we express and, of course, our own personal and practical actions. Amen. <laughs>